Well, good morning, good morning, New Beginnings. How are we this morning? Y'all got to get louder than that. How are we this morning? That's better, that's better. Hey, my name is Daniel Norris. I am the campus pastor here at our Longview campus, and I am excited to be here with you this morning. As Pastor Brad said just a few minutes ago, if you are a first-time guest with us this morning, man, we are so honored and excited to have you joining us today. And again, if you didn't get a chance to stop by the tent, please stop by Guest Central. We'd love to meet you, and we would love to give you a gift. And everybody loves gifts, right? Everybody said amen to that, right? Well, we're continuing today in our series called Urgent. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the urgent nature of the gospel. If you remember in week one, Pastor Todd talked about that we are living in the last days. We're waiting on Jesus's return. And then last week, Pastor Todd talked about the reality of hell and that those who do not enter into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ before they leave this place, they will spend an eternity in hell separated from God. And today we're going to be talking about this thing called the harvest. I think we could all agree that we are living in a day and age where the opportunity has never been greater to advance and share the gospel. Amen? Amen. Yet I feel like most or a majority of Christ followers are missing the opportunity to share the gospel that's all around us. Listen what Jesus says in John chapter four in verse 35. He says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Here's what I want you to look at you. Look at the good neighbor that's sitting beside you and say, the harvest is ready. All right, now look at the better looking neighbor on the other side of you. You should have picked wisely, right? And say, the harvest is ready. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for what we've already experienced, God, in worship. God, I pray today as we open up your word that you would show us the things that we need to see. God, that you would show us the things that matter most to you. God, I pray that you would give us understanding. And then, God, help us to obey your Word And we ask all of this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. So I don't know a whole lot about farming. I didn't grow up on a farm. We got any farmers in the house? Any farmers out there? Some of you. So you're going to know a little bit about what we're talking about. I didn't didn't grow up on a farm. I had a few friends that lived up in the panhandle that grew up on some farms. But here's what I do know. I know enough to know this, that the harvest just doesn't happen on its own. The harvest doesn't just magically appear and then pick itself, does it? Any of you farmers, does that, is that how it works? Does the harvest just happen on its own? No, that would be crazy to think that. It, it requires labor, it requires toil, it requires sowing, and, and no matter what season it is, no matter what time of year it is, listen, the farmer is always working with the harvest in Mind Every day that he gets up, every day that he's working the land and working the soil, whether he's planting or whether he's fertilizing or whether he's pulling the weeds, no matter what it is, he's always working with that anticipation with the harvest on his mind. This morning, I want us to see that what it looks like to live with a harvest mindset. When we talk about sowing and reaping and harvesting and all of those things, what we're really talking about is this word that we use in church called evangelism. 
This is what evangelism is, and this is my definition. Evangelism is this. It is sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with other people. Let me make that even a little bit simpler for you. A harvest mindset, evangelism is a harvest mindset, and a harvest mindset is this. It is a, having a heart for the lost. Did you catch that? A harvest mindset is having a heart for the lost. If you've got your, co- your copy of God's word, go ahead and open up to John chapter four. That's where we're gonna camp out this morning. And in John four, we have the opportunity to learn from the master himself. Jesus is going to show us in this chapter what it looks like to have a harvest mindset, what it looks like to have a heart for the lost, regardless of who they are, regardless of where they come from, and regardless of even their past and their mistakes and all the things that they may have done. Let's jump into it. John chapter four, starting at the very beginning in verses one, this is what's going on in John chapter four. Jesus is gaining in popularity. And we know this because the religious leaders and and those people in that area are beginning to to talk a little bit. They're beginning to gossip and they're talking about Jesus and John the Baptist. And they're saying, who's baptizing more? Is it Jesus or John the Baptist? Even though Jesus wasn't baptizing, it was his disciples that were baptizing. And so at the beginning of John 4, you see Jesus and he's hearing all this chatter. He's hearing all this talk and this religious drama trying to say who's greater, Jesus or John the Baptist, who has a bigger ministry. And in this moment, here's what Jesus does. He walks away from all the religious drama and he leaves town. And it says that Jesus in this moment leaves Judea and he heads for Galilee. And in verse four, if you've got a pen and you're taking notes, I want you to highlight or underline this part. It says in verse four that he had to pass through Samaria. Everybody say he had to. He had to. Now he didn't have to because someone was making him or someone set his schedule for him. He had to go through Samaria, everybody say Samaria, because he had a purpose for going there. You see, Jesus could have gone around Samaria like any other Jew would have, but Jesus chose to go through Samaria. You see, most Jews would go all the way around Samaria because they despised and they hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans despised and hated the Jews. There's over 500 years of racial and religious conflict and tension between these two groups of people. I mean, the the Samaritans at one point in time had desecrated the Jewish temple, and the Samaritans thought that they were God's chosen people, and the Jews were like, no, there's no way you're God's chosen people. You're just a bunch of half-breeds, and we don't want to have anything to do with you, and so we don't ever go through Samaria. We walk all the way around, even if it takes us an extra day, because we don't hang out with those kind of people. We don't talk to those people. We don't wanna engage in a conversation with them. We don't wanna have anything to do with them. We will go all the way around, but Jesus does not go around Samaria. It says that he had to go through Samaria because he had an appointment there. You see, harvest-minded people, here's what harvest-minded people do. Just like Jesus, a harvest-minded person plows ahead and goes where others aren't willing to go. You see that? The harvest-minded person plows ahead and they go places that others aren't willing to go. What about you this morning? Are you willing to go places that other people won't go? Are you willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do? 
You see, if we're going to reach the lost, then we have to have a harvest mindset and we have to be willing to go and do the things that others are not willing to do. And this is exactly what Jesus does in John chapter four. As they leave Judea and head to Galilee, they get closer to Samaria and just outside of town, they come upon Jacob's well. And it says that Jesus sat down at Jacob's well because he was tired and weary, he was hungry and thirsty. So he said, hey, I'm gonna take a break right here. You guys go on into town. And I love that the John, when he writes this text, he doesn't just skip over that, but when he writes that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, our Lord and Savior, gets tired and weary and sits down, we can see in that moment that Jesus is fully God and fully man. We can see his humanity in that moment that he understands when we're tired and weary. And so he sits down at this place called Jacob's Well and he sends his boys into town to get some Chick-fil-A. So they go into town to get them some Jesus chicken and waffle fries and Jesus sits down at the well and he's sitting there around noon. Everybody say noon. He sits down at noon and at noon, a Samaritan woman comes walking up to Jacob's well. And as she walks up, she sees this man sitting in her way. And as she approaches him, he asks her a question. He asks her for a drink. In this moment, she's, she's completely caught off guard by this. This was scandalous that a man would be talking to a woman in public in this day and age, but better yet, a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. And listen how she replies. Listen how she answers Jesus when he asks her for a drink. You gotta imagine the tension, the conflict, the issues that they've had with their two people groups, the Jews and the Samaritans. And in this moment, she answers him with a little bit of attitude. She's probably got her hand on her hip. She's probably got a little eye roll going on. And this is how she says, she says how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Don't you people despise us? Don't you hate us? Don't you know, you guys don't have anything to do with us. So why is it that you're sitting on the well where I need to get some water and yet you're asking me for a drink? And I love this because Jesus knew that his request was going to lead to more than just an exchange of words and water. He knew what was gonna happen. He knew because he had an agenda. And it's not the same agenda that this woman had grown accustomed to with most men. You see, Jesus, no, he didn't have that kind of agenda. He, had, he was on a mission. Jesus had a mission. He answers her in verse 10. Listen to how Jesus answers this Samaritan woman. Jesus answered her and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Did you catch that? Jesus says, if you only knew who it was that was sitting here asking you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink and he would have given you living water. In this moment, this woman has no idea what Jesus is even talking about. She's only got her mind on the physical. And she's looking at him and she's thinking, how are you going to give me a drink of anything? You don't have a bucket and the well is deep. And she, and she just keeps talking about the physical things. And Jesus is looking at her going, I know you're just focused on the physical. He, she's thinking about actual water. 
And Jesus continues to push the conversation ahead. And here's why he continues to push the conversation, because he's wanting this woman in this moment to see that her real needs are not physical, but spiritual. He wants to give her something that she cannot get at Jacob's well. You see, as harvest-minded people, we have to look past the physical and see that people's greatest need is spiritual. I mean, it's an incredible thing to meet someone's physical needs. It's an incredible thing to, to take someone a meal or give them groceries or give them 20 bucks or get, put gas in their car. That's an incredible thing to serve one another and to help people and to meet their physical needs. But if all we do is meet their physical needs and we never meet their spiritual needs by giving them Jesus, by giving them the living water that he offers, then we have failed miserably. You see, harvest-minded people have to look beyond the physical and we have to see that people's greatest need is spiritual. Listen to verse 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus has gone back and forth with this woman and she's saying, you don't have a bucket. The well is deep. Do you think you're better than our father Jacob who gave us this well? And they're going back and forth and Jesus is patiently answering her questions and engaging her in conversation. And then finally, he just pushes all the metaphors aside and he says, hey, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go call your husband. And in that moment, she answers him. She says, I don't have a husband. And he says, no, I know you're right in saying that you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five. And Johnny that you're shacking up with, the sixth one, that's not your husband either. You're not married to him. And when you read that in that moment, you're thinking, man, that's, that's kind of harsh. Like, how are you just gonna call her out like that, Jesus? How are you gonna just call her on her sin and expose her sin like that? All of the things that she struggled with. And here's what I want you to see is that anytime Jesus exposes our sin and our brokenness, it's not to shame us, it's to free us from it. And Jesus calls her out on all of her checkered past and all of her relationships, all of the wells that she's been running to that leave her more broken and empty than before. And he says, I want you to realize I've got something that will truly satisfy you. See, in this moment, she does exactly what any of us would have done if we had been called to the table, if we'd been called on our sin and called on our past mistakes. She does exactly what we would do. She wants to avoid it. Those, those places are too painful. There's too much guilt. There's too much shame. And so she changes the subject. She tries to divert the conversation. And she says, listen, hey, Jesus, guess what? You Jews say that we worship over here on this mountain. You Jews say that it's, we're supposed to worship on this mountain. But as Samaritans say that worship happens on this mountain, which one is it, Jesus? Where should we worship and Jesus knows exactly what she's doing in this moment. He doesn't get frustrated with her. He answers her and he says this. He says, a time is coming and is now here where location will not matter, but true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You see, if we're going to have a harvest mindset, when we're talking with people and dealing with people, we can't get frustrated with people's questions. 
We must take note the way that Jesus responds to this woman. We must be patient with them, and then we must answer them with truth. You see, he was always full of grace, but full of truth. We must be patient, and we must answer them with grace and truth. Listen to what he says in verse 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I can only imagine in this moment, this was the mind-blowing moment for this woman. This is the, the mic drop moment for Jesus. This is where her, his divinity collides with her depravity. And in that moment, I'm sure her knees began to buckle. I'm sure her heart wanted to leap out of her chest. She's thinking, did he really just say what I think he said? Did he just say, I am he? Did he just say, I am the Messiah. I am the savior of the world. I am the one that you've been longing and looking for. I am the one that scripture talks about. I am the one and I'm here in front of you. Can you only imagine what she must have done in that moment? This is the very first time in scripture that Jesus reveals his identity as the Messiah. He hadn't revealed it to his disciples yet. He didn't reveal it to the religious elite of all people to reveal his true identity to. He reveals it to a Samaritan woman. He says, I am, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior, I'm fully God and fully man, I am God in the flesh and I am here standing in front of you and I wanna give you living water. I don't just wanna make your life better, I wanna make it brand new. Listen what he says in 27 through 30. It says, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. You see, harvest-minded people respond the way that this woman did to Jesus. Harvest-minded people share what Jesus has done in their life with excitement. She was fired up. She ran all the way back to town, back to those people who she had been trying to avoid, back to those people who looked down their noses at her and spread rumors about her and all of her sin and all of her mistakes, back to those people. She runs back as fast as she can to share with them the good news of Jesus, and she shares it with excitement. Let me ask you, New Beginnings, when's the last time you shared Jesus with anyone with excitement? When's the last time you went to someone and said, man, I gotta tell you what Jesus has done in my life. This is who I was. This is where I was. My life was a wreck. I was running to all of these empty wells, trying to fill up, trying to find satisfaction, looking and searching for hope and meaning. And then I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, he completely changed my life. There's a definite before and answer and after. I'm not the same person who I used to be. That's the way we should be sharing Jesus with people, saying, I'm not who I was. He's made me brand new. 
And that's exactly what this woman does. She doesn't care what those people think about her. She doesn't care what they're gonna say about her. She runs to them with excitement and says, you've gotta come meet a man that told me everything I ever did. And so she goes and shares Jesus with excitement. And if we are to be harvest-minded people, we should share Jesus the exact same way. The disciples are standing there in that moment. They just returned from their lunch break at Chick-fil-A. They're bringing Jesus some food. They see Jesus talking to this woman and they're probably thinking, what in the world is going on? Why is he talking to a woman and a Samaritan woman at that? They have no idea what is happening here. And don't miss this. The woman, she had gone out to the well to get some water with her bucket. And then she meets Jesus. And in that moment when she realizes who he is, she drops the bucket, the very thing that she had come out there to get, and she leaves it behind because she had found something greater. Do you remember in your life when you were walking around with your buckets, trying to fill them up, hoping that something would satisfy you, and then you met Jesus and you left that bucket behind and you ran the other way because you finally found something greater, something that would truly satisfy. That's exactly what this woman does. Listen what Jesus says in, in verse 31 through 38. Meanwhile, this is that meanwhile moment back at the well, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he, he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? I didn't bring him in. Did you? I didn't. They're wondering like, who brought him something to eat? We've been in town getting him Chick-fil-A and somebody fed him while we were gone. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. These poor disciples, they're a little slow on the uptake, if you will. They don't have a clue as to what's going on in this moment. They walk into this scene and they're going, what is happening here? And we can't blame these guys, right? They're trying to do what they think is right. Jesus was tired and weary from the trip. Remember, he was hungry and thirsty, and so he sends them all into town so that he can have a conversation with this woman. And then they come back to bring him some food, and he's, he's pushing the food away, saying, no, 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 I, I, he's got his eyes locked on her. You see, they were worried about the meal, and Jesus is worried about the mission. They were worried about the meal, and Jesus is worried about the mission. You see, harvest-minded people focus on the mission and not the meal. The disciples were focused on the meal and Jesus was focused on the mission. Now, I know it's easy for us to look at those disciples and be like, how could they be focused on the meal? How could they miss the mission? How could they be focused on the meal at a time like this when Jesus is revealing his identity to this woman? And before we're too hard on these guys, we have to realize we are those guys. We are meal-minded people. And here's what I mean by being meal-minded. It's all about me, my needs. It's, it's, it's about my goals, my career, my relationships, my schedule, my to-do list. And listen, when all I'm ever focused on is me, myself, and I, and on my meal and my schedule, I'll never see the needs of others around me. I'll only see those people as an interruption to my schedule my needs, my to-do list. You see, the disciples had gone in and out of town and they probably passed this woman 
coming and going, but they were so focused on their meal, their schedule, their to-do list, that they missed the opportunity. They walked by her, they probably went way over here around her because we don't talk to those people. We don't associate with those people. They were worried about the meal and Jesus was worried about this mission. They missed the opportunity when they were in town that day as well. They were hanging out in the Samaritan village all day long, getting some lunch, and they never took the opportunity to share with the Samaritan people in that community, hey, Jesus is out here at Jacob's well. You need to go meet him, you need to go see him. They never took an opportunity to share with those Samaritans. I wish I could say that I get the mission right. I wish I could say to you as, a, as your pastor that I get it right more than I get it wrong, but unfortunately I don't. Unfortunately, most of the time I've got my mind on the meal, on my plan and my schedule and my to-do list and my things that need to get done in my life. And I miss so many opportunities. I miss the opportunities to share and be used by Jesus. I can remember one time a few years ago where I was a student pastor in Florida and um, I woke up that morning, it was a Wednesday morning and we were, uh, Wednesdays are busy, it's ministry day, midweek, students are coming, I've got a bunch of students and so I've got my to-do list and I'm running 100 miles an hour from the moment I get up. But that morning was a little bit different. That morning I woke up and we were in a, a series with our students and we were talking about interruption or invitation. Now I remember that morning I got down on my knees and I said, God, I need you to interrupt my life today. And that's a scary prayer, isn't it? God, interrupt my life today because you never know how that interruption's gonna show up. So I prayed that prayer that morning and then I, I'm off to the races, running after my things, my list, my schedule, all of this. And so late afternoon, I have to run to the grocery store to go and get a bunch of things for student ministry that night. So I'm loading up my cart with 12 packs of Mountain Dew and actually a couple cases of Mountain Dew and candy bars and Skittles and all this stuff because that's what we feed your students when they come to student ministry. Get them all hopped up on Mountain Dew and Skittles. So I'm loading up my cart and I'm just, I got my head down. I'm not looking around, I just got my head down, getting in line and I'm standing in line thinking about, man, I, I got this much time, I gotta get out of here, I gotta get back to the church, I got all this stuff to do. I'm worried about my schedule. And in that moment, as I'm standing there with my eyes down, I hear someone ahead of me in line, and it's a woman, and I, I, it sounds like she's crying. And I look up, and I walk up to her, and I said, are you okay? Like, I didn't know what was going on. And she starts sharing with me about just the things that's been going on in her life and about the loss of a loved one, all this stuff. And I said, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. I said, is it okay if I pray for you? She said, man, I would, I would love for you to pray for me. So I just, in the grocery line, put my hand on her shoulder and I just started to pray. And I said, God, work in her life, heal her, do what only you can do. May she experience a fresh touch from you today. And then I said, amen. And I gave her a hug and I wished her well. And she went on her way and I'm thinking, okay, God, you just interrupted my life like I prayed this morning. And it was pretty awesome. I'm going to get in my truck, put the groceries in the back seat. I get in, I'm about to close the door and I hear someone yelling, sir, sir, sir. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, what? And I open it, I look out and there's a lady from the grocery store that works there. She's running out to my truck. She says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
And I said, did I, did I forget something? Did I not pay for something? What happened? And she said, no, no, my name is Maria. I work here at the store at Publix. And she said, I, I saw you in line praying for that woman that was crying. She said, I wonder if you would be so kind as to pray for me as well. She started to share with me. She said, my son's been hooked on drugs for a long time. She said, he doesn't know Jesus. She said, I'm praying that God would save him, that God would set him free from his addictions. She said, would you pray with me? Would you pray that God would save him? And I said, yeah, let's pray. So I, Maria and I stood by my truck in the parking lot and I just prayed. I said, God, please save our son. Break these chains of addiction. Set him free. God, may he know you and how much you love him. And so we said amen through tears. We hugged. I said, Maria, I come in the store all the time. It's just down the street from my house. Please keep me posted. Let me know how your son's doing. And so I would see her in and out of there when I would go in the store. And about a month later, I'm in the store. And she comes running up to me with tears in her eyes. And she said, Daniel, you're never going to believe this. My son gave his life to Jesus yesterday. And she said, and he's checking himself into rehab today. He's going to be in there for 90 days or more. And then when he gets out, he's moving here. And we're going to, I'm going to help him raise his son. And we're going to come to your church. And I want you to meet him. And I just stood there and said, God, thank you that you interrupted my life like that. Thank you that I didn't miss that moment, that I didn't miss that opportunity because I miss them every day. And that one was such a special moment. You see, this is why Jesus says in the very next verses in 35 through 38, he says this, what we started with this morning. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. You see, harvest-minded people have their head up and their eyes open. Harvest-minded people have their head up and their eyes open. The disciples are standing there with Jesus at the well and he says to them, I'm not worried about the meal. I'm on a mission. I need you to look up and see that the fields are white for harvest. The Samaritans that you were hanging out with all day in the village, they've now heard the gospel from the woman that was here at the well. And now they're all coming out this way in their white robes and their white tunics. And the fields are white for harvest because everywhere you look on the horizon, the people are coming this way and we need to get ready to reap the harvest. And he says, I'm about, we're about to reap together that which you did not sow. Others have been there before you. Others have been sowing seeds. And now the sower and the reaper, they're about to celebrate and rejoice together. You see, harvest-minded people have their head up and their eyes open. In 39 through 42, it says this. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did so when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two more days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have now heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. 
See, harvest-minded people share their story. This woman, this Samaritan woman, she ran back to town and she shared her story and it was because of her testimony that many more came to believe in him. She didn't wait till she knew enough. She didn't wait till she had joined the church. She didn't wait till she had gotten into a life group. She didn't wait till she had gone to some seminary classes and had a background in theology. It was urgent. It was in that moment with excitement that she ran back to tell the people, this is who I was. You all know how, who I was. You know my past, you know my mistakes. And I met a man and he changed me. He offered me living water and I'm brand new. You gotta come meet this guy. That's how simple it is. Listen, New Beginnings, listen, God wants to use you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, don't underestimate the power of your story because God wants to use your story to share his story so that their story will be changed forever. God wants to use you. He wants to use your story just like he did with this woman in John 4. And so here's what I want us to do, New Beginnings. I believe if we will get our head up and our eyes open to those around us and we will be willing to share our story, I believe it will completely change our schools. I believe it will completely change our workplace. I believe it will completely change our community just like it did in this Samaritan village. And so here's my challenge for us this week. I want you to write this down and I want you to go do this. This is the takeaway for today. This week, I want you to look up. I want you to see the people around you. Don't miss the opportunity. And then I want you to share your story. Engage in a conversation with someone. Tell them who you were and now who you are because of what Jesus has done in your life. The harvest is ready. These are urgent days. May we be found faithful. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the story that we see in John 4 of how you changed a Samaritan woman's life. God, I pray if there's anyone in this room that's life's not been changed by you, that today would be the day. God, that today would be the day that they realize all the buckets and all the wells that they've been running to are empty, but you offer them living water. And so Father, I pray today that they would respond to you, that they would go from death to life. So God, I'm praying that you would have your way in this place today. God, I'm praying to, as we go through the rest of our week that you would help us to slow down, to look up, to see the people around us and then help us to be bold and courageous and help us to move, for, move towards them and then share our story. God, we're asking for you to give us a harvest mindset that we would have a heart for others. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as the band leads us in worship, this is a time for us to respond. If today is the day of your salvation, if today is the day that you drink of the living water and you ask Jesus to come into your heart and life, then you come, please come forward and allow our team to pray for you and pray with you. And maybe today you just need prayer because you're struggling. I want you to know that the altar's open and our team would love to pray for you. Love you guys.